Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. While not trying to be too crass, asking somebody to pick the most inappropriate moments from Star Trek D Space Nine is like asking somebody which bean made them fart. It's going to be pretty hard. Having said that, I'm Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture, and here are 10 most inappropriate moments in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Number 10. Non-stop Jem'Hadar killing. To the Death added much-needed depth to the Jem'Hadar in a thrilling episode that brought the Dominion and Federation together when an Iconian gateway threatens the Alpha Quadrant. Sisko and company's collaboration with the Dominion to track down a rogue group of Jem'Hadar builds to a pitch battle on the surface of a mysterious planet. It's an exciting conclusion to a story already jam-packed with compelling scenes. The only problem is the episode's brutal violence. Because of a dampening field generated by the gateway, the crew's phasers prove useless, forcing them to engage in vicious hand-to-hand combat with the Jem'Hadar. There's more stabbing and throat-slitting than any previous incarnation of Star Trek, although, to be fair, Sisko did promise us more fight than we could handle. He was right, and if that wasn't enough, there's even a nauseating scene in which Jem'Hadar commander Ometiklan punishes his subordinate by snapping his neck. Charming stuff. The episode was heavily censored upon release. The Jem'Hadar body count was reduced from a staggering 52 deaths in the original edit. The British Board of Film Classification didn't stop there, making further cuts to remove the sound of Tamantorax's neck breaking, potentially for the best. The level of violence in To the Death distracted from the episode's strange bedfellows theme and underlying sense of intrigue. The real joy comes from watching the Federation and the Dominion come together in this episode to take down a common enemy. Number 9. Quark's Major Kira Holosuite Program Deep Space Nine boasts numerous incredible episodes. Meridian isn't one of them. The episode's main plot revolves around Dax falling in love with Doral, a man from the planet Meridian whose inhabitants normally exist as pure consciousness. In a few short days, Doral will disappear for another 60 years. So, as Steve Miller would say, he's got to get his loving on the run. It's a tacky story that never clicks, but the episode's often overlooked side plot is where Meridian really takes things a bit further than you would think. The B story involves Quark's efforts to create a holosuite program starring Major Kira so he can collect payment from Tyran, a spurned alien with an unhealthy infatuation for the Major. Tyran's obsession with Kira is scary enough, but the fact that Quark violates her privacy to help a customer get his rocks off is disgusting. Meridian is not a lesson on how to handle rejection, that's for sure. Thankfully, Odo and Kira get wise to Quark's plans and sabotage his holosuite program, much to Tyran's chagrin. Having a laugh over an alien dude bro wanting to... A timid hologram as someone he knows is alarming, not to mention deeply inappropriate. This was hardly a good look for Deep Space Nine or for Quark himself. 
Number 8. Onaya feeding on Jake's life force After the runaway success of The Visitor, Deep Space Nine's producers sought to revisit the topic of Jake Sissel's creativity. The resulting episode, The Muse, explores why so many of our favourite artists implode at a young age. Drugs, alcohol, not even close. Space vampires, that's why. When Jake meets a charming older woman who strokes his ego and promises to help him overcome a bad case of writer's block, he agrees to visit her quarters that night. It's an aggressive first date, to say the least. Onaya encourages Jake to write and begins stimulating his brain while draining his life force, as you do. Their bizarre parasitic relationship develops from there. Jake writes, Anaya feeds, but at least they've got each other. Although Jake's ideas come thick and fast, his sessions with Anaya take a physical toll on his health. Captain Sisko intervenes to save Jake's life and end his relationship with Anaya, but for audiences everywhere, the damage is done. Having watched Anaya help herself to another serving at Jake's energy buffet while he writes the Great Federation novel is kinda gross, plain and simple. Let's hope his next visit to a date's quarters doesn't involve a pen and paper. Number 7. Bashir Falling for Serena For most of DS9's original run, Dr. Bashir never had much luck in the love department. It wasn't for want of trying, though. From Melora to Lita to Jadzia Dax, Bashir always seemed to yo-yo from one infatuation to the next. The Season 7 arrival of Esri Dax mercifully put an end to Bashir's ceaseless quest for love. The physician healed thyself at long last. While we can't help but feel happy for Bashir, riding off with the love of his life, that doesn't mean we should let his problematic dating hobbits off the hook. And never were those questions habits more on display than in Chrysalis, an episode that sees the return of Bashir's genetically enhanced brethren from statistical probabilities. Among them is Serena Douglas, who suffers from catalepsy as a side effect of her genetic enhancement. After performing an operation that restores Serena's speech and ability to interact with the outside world, Bashir is understandably euphoric. But what he fails to see the problem in is developing feelings for his grateful patient, who is struggling with her new reality and thinks she owes him everything. What a peach. Even though Bashir passes her care to another doctor, his position of power and trust over Serena makes any relationship between them rather troubling. It's no small relief when Serena musters up the courage to pull away from Bashir's advances, but he really should never have put her in that position in the first place. Bold, doctor. Bold. Number six, Kira almost killing her mum. Don't kill your mother. Even if she had an affair with Goldicott, just just don't do it. Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night opens with the sickening possibility that Dukat and Kira's mother were lovers during the occupation of Bajor. In a bid to learn the truth, Kira uses the Bajoran Orb of Time to travel back to when the Cardassians ruled Deep Space Nine. Kira soon meets her mother, Maru, and the two of them are picked to serve as comfort women for the Cardassians. Ew. Dukat woos Maru with the promise of providing her family with much-needed food and medical supplies, yet Kira sees her as nothing more than a collaborator betraying her own people. Enraged, Kira hatches a plan to assassinate Dukat with a bomb, even though her own mother might get caught in the crossfire. What part of not killing your mother does she not understand? But after hearing a message from her father thanking Maru for saving the lives of him and their children, Kira backs out at the last moment, realising that perhaps the distinction between resistance and betrayal isn't so straightforward. Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night is a wonderful showpiece for Kira that added layers of ambiguity to her character's sense of justice. Unfortunately, these positives get a little bit muddled with Kira's initial willingness to murder her own mother. Number 5. Sisko Sleeps with the Mirror Universe Dax 
In Through the Looking Glass, Commander Sisko is kidnapped by Miles Smiley O'Brien, the Mirror Universe counterpart to everyone's favourite Irishman. Once there, he's told he needs to impersonate his own alternate, who has been killed. He's thrown into the deep end right away as O'Brien fails to inform him that Sisko and Dax were an item. Doing his best to keep his cover, Sisko goes with the flow that flow leading him to Dax's bed. There's no ambiguity to the fact that they sleep together. The inappropriate action on show here is that technically he does sleep with her under false pretenses. Having said that, saying something would have given the game away. Shattered Mirror, the follow-up story to this episode, does address this. Dax confronts Sisko, pulling a knife on him and warning him that if he ever lies to her again or touches her in any way, he will be on the receiving end of the knife. While the man was between a rock and a hard place and through the looking glass, Dax does have a point. It is unlikely the pair would engage in round two anytime soon after that. Number four, Ducat's Cult of the Power Rates. Season 7's Covenant shifted the already villainous Ducat from an egomaniacal opportunist to just pure evil. By leading the cult of the power rates, Ducat has given a free reign to engage in the predatory and controlling behaviour characteristic of movements like the People's Temple and the Manson family. For someone like Ducat, that kind of all-consuming power is a recipe for disaster. The ensuing episode is chock-full of gag-worthy moments inspired by real-life tragedy. Was it in poor taste? Does it target in the woods? For starters, when the product of Ducat's affair with Mika is born half Cardassian, he declares that it is a sign of the power rates have blessed his covenant with his Bajoran followers. It's a power rate miracle. But like a bad episode of Mori Povich, the truth that Ducat's the real father is bound to come out. So he tries to murder Mika by opening an airlock. Pretty low, even for him. Realising the jig is up, Ducat then tells his followers that power rates want them to reclaim the Celestial Temple by shedding their corporeal bodies. That's right, mass suicide. Thankfully, most of Ducat's followers refrain from drinking the proverbial fresh aid when Kira proves he has no intention of killing himself. So much for their covenant. Number three, Worf ruining Jadzia's vacation. Deep Space Nine did wonders for the character of Worf, affording him plenty of opportunity to showcase his more humorous and romantic sides. Fifth season clunker Let He Who Is Without Sin almost single-handedly destroyed that goodwill, thanks to a fairly weak script plagued by Worf's controlling and jealous behaviour towards his partner. His finest hour, it was not. The episode features a disgruntled Worf sulking his way through a trip to Ryza, refusing to so much as change out of his Starfleet uniform. Meanwhile, Jadzi is determined to make the most of her vacation, which includes rekindling her previous host's Curzon's friendship with Arandus. This causes Worf no end of jealousy. Forget cutting loose, Worf can't even trust his own partner. And if you don't have trust, you've got nothing. While we're meant to sympathise with Worf when he reveals his restraint comes from accidentally killing a human during a soccer match when he was a teenager, by this point it's a little bit too little too late. So, a childhood tragedy shaped Worf's adult life. That's not really any excuse for his awful treatment of Jazz What's even worse is that Letty Who's Without Sin expects the audience to believe a closing skinny dip can salvage Jadzia's vacation or Worf's toxic behaviour. We can only hope Jadzia spent her next holiday alone. Number 2. Dukat Seducing Kai Wynn when Deep Space Nine threw together Dukat and Kai Wynn, two of the show's most villainous characters, the stage was set for a climactic battle between the Prophets and the Power Wraiths, not to mention one of the most nauseating romances this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Nobody ever really needed to see this one. Till Death Do Us Part sees a surgically altered Dukat arrive on Deep Space Nine, where he poses as the Bajoran farmer Anjol Tanon. After meeting with Kai Wynn, Dukat spins a yarn about how her intervention saved his life during the occupation. His ruse works like a charm 
with Ducat seducing the Kai by convincing her their fates are intertwined, just when you thought Ducat couldn't get any worse. Sure, Space Karen's a despicable character in her own right, but nobody deserves to be tricked like that. Even ignoring Ducat's ghastly deception for a moment, his stomach-churning pillow talk with Wynne in the next episode is enough to send viewers screaming to the toilet. Listening to Wynne ask about the man who shares her bed sounds like a line straight out of a romance novel, and not a very good one at that. Number 1. Umox for Fun and Profit Deep Space Nine takes tremendous pleasure in spotlighting the more hedonistic side of our favourite characters. Instead of a subdued drink at 10 forward, audiences were treated to wild nights at Quarks, where the Dabo table and the holosuites beckoned any weary officer. Yet far from being a stoic bartender, Quark was no stranger to indulgence himself given his demand that his staff cater to his every sexual need. Part of Quark's fondness for exploiting his staff included Umox, the stimulation of Ferengi earlobes through massage. Discussing his sexual act is one thing, but DS9 regularly showed Umox on full display, complete with near-orgasmic reactions from Quark and the other Ferengi. Usually Quark, though. That guy just couldn't get enough Umox. And the Ferengi rules of acquisition backed him up, warning readers, beware the man who doesn't make time for Umox. Of course, one can have too much of a good thing, even Umox. Bar Association, from the show's fourth season, includes Rom implying that he got sick from too much, um, self stimulation? Well, at least he didn't go blind. In another moment in the same season, Nog tricks a nurse into performing Umox on him and little green men. Ah, these goddamn Ferengi. Any way you look at it, the decision to graphically depict a sexual act like this in DS9 does veer into inappropriate territory there. It may be alien, but Umox really does rank as the show's probably most inappropriate depiction. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.